Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Good Drop. Today, we are changing it up again and going back to red wine. Yes, we're back talking about the noble grapes today with Cabernet Sauvignon. One of the finest wines you can buy. Uh, weather's not great for it, but that's what we're here for. So we can drink it so you don't have to. So I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. going to give these a, a taste oh, yeah just had a sip yeah so I've, I've had a smell and the bouquet is absolutely fantastic it smells fruity and subtle and uh yeah i'm yeah, i'm excited good, guys to, i'm excited to taste it because um, what we are drinking here is the my other self gary no stuff cabernet sauvignon 2015 it's good guys it's really good it just fills your mouth with flavor. Like it initially tastes a uh, touch sweet, um, but as it passes over your palate, it mellows out to a, a full, full, fuller flavor. Mm. And fantastic mouthfeel as well. Like the tannins aren't overpowering, but they're definitely there, and you get that slight sort of coating the mouth. Mm. Sense from that that fuzziness almost almost, that you like sometimes a, almost like a grit gritty feel. yeah almost like when you've had uh, a sandwich with just a bit too much peanut butter on it <laughs> yeah and it kind of sticks to the roof of your mouth but it's only it lingers for just a moment and mm. then that aftertaste is wonderfully fruity yeah it's right smack in between Shiraz and Merlot yeah in terms of uh, mouthfeel and flavor. Mm, absolutely, and yeah. uh, I suppose while we're talking about uh, mouthfeel and flavor, let's mention that we're, we're attempting to drink it at the temperature it's supposed to be drunk at. Now, that is room temperature. If you check, a lot of places will say room temperature, but this is a wine that originated in France. So room temperature is French room temperature, <laughs> and that's you know 15 to 18 degrees for those of us where room temperature is very rarely... French room temperature. I would say almost never here. Even in the peak of winter, unless you're in Tasmania, it's... Well, maybe Victoria. Can- Canberra would get down to below that. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, South Australia as well, I think. So some some of the big wine regions definitely hit that temperature occasionally. This, this wine is dangerously good. Mm. It is insanely smooth. And uh, it's one of the interesting things about uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is that this one right now is a straight Cabernet Sauvignon. But when the wine was originally discovered in France, they weren't having it by itself. They were drinking it as as a blend. The reason being that its flavors are very heavily affected by cold, and more so its maturation is very heavily affected by cold. They had to harvest early because of the cold weather. Uh, so that results in an increase in the amount of pyrazines that are present, because th- there's always pyrazines in Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. Right. But over time, they're killed off by sunlight. So mm. grapes that are allowed to reach full maturity have less pyrazines and thus have a more subtle flavor and a better 
by themselves, whereas the ones that are harvested early need to be mellowed out by something like a Merlot. <laughs> or a Shiraz. Or, yeah. Because uh, Cabernet Shiraz is a very common blend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, in France, it's um, often also blended with the uh, Cabernet Franc variety. Well, that's a, that's a good segue because cause we can go straight into some history with that. Yes, let's. So, despite the popularity of it, Cabernet Sauvignon is a relatively new wine. It's only been around since the 17th century. Yeah, and in fact, around uh, around that time, it was growing wild in in France, and only started being intentionally planted by uh, viniculturalists in the 18th century. Yeah, well, that that's also where they reckon part of its name came from. The Sauvignon is similar to the French sauvage, meaning wild, and it's a reference to the wild vine. So. Up until very, very recently, up until the 20th century, people thought that this wine, because it's been so popular, was a very ancient wine, perhaps even being the same uh, bit, bit, Bitterica grape. I think that's, I think I pronounced that right. Bitterica? Yeah, that, uh, I think that's, I mean, it's probably a slaughtering of how a French person would pronounce it. Well, but it's, it's Italian. Oh, it's Italian. Well, or um or Latin. Right. Um it's the Bitterica grape used to make the ancient Roman wine referenced by Pliny the Elder. Ah, but of course in uh, in 1996 DNA testing identified that it was in fact a crossbreed between the Cabernet Franc and the Sauvignon Blanc variety. Yeah. Uh they they suspected that it could have been something like that as recently as the 1950s. But they didn't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have the technology back then, mm. I suppose. But yeah, they, they suspected it because it shares similar aromas to both grapes, such as black currant and pencil box. Mm. And yeah, when you consider how well and how frequently the uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is mixed with the Sauvignon Blanc or mixed with the Cabernet Franc, it makes sense that mm. it evolved from them. But it's kind of fantastic that... When people so frequently, intentionally crossbreed grapes to try and make something amazing, and this just happened in the wild, just yeah. happened naturally. Yeah. Well, it's despite the fact that this is a uh, natural crossing between the two grapes, it's relatively mutation stable. So it doesn't, it's got a very low chance of mutating uh, from different regions yeah so it gives really good consistency Mm. from grape to grape and vine to vine and obviously not from region to region because as we'll mention later the region greatly affects yeah the flavor but still consistently the same vineyard to vineyard yeah unlike some other grapes we might or wines we might mention in the future yes where they you can have one from somewhere and it tastes completely different you're like is this is this the same grape Mm. (laughs) hmm Yeah, it's quite fascinating. So, it's not as prolific prolific in mutating as the Pinot Noir grape, um, but it's still uh, still been linked to other grape varieties such as Grenache. Oh, there was a cross. Sorry, there was a cross between uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Grenache to produce the French grape wine, French wine grape uh, Marcelin. Marcelin. Uh, you've got Signy Blanc 
which is a white-buried seedling of Cabernet Sauvignon that was discovered in Swan Valley, Western Australia. You've got Cabernet mm. Blanc, a crossing of Cabernet Sauvignon, and a unknown hybrid grape variety that was discovered in Switzerland in the late 20th century. It, it crosses well, but doesn't seem to cross often. So when it does cross with something, it seems to produce quite a good wine. Yeah, and I suppose more often than not, rather than attempting to cross it, they just blend it because it blends so well. Mm. Like I, I know that I've drunk Sauvignon Blanc Grenache and it was really nice. Like It just blends well with other varieties mm. and as I, well. Which I've, I've had a Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc before, yeah. which is a mouthful to say, and it was interesting, but at that point, I wasn't really paying attention to mm. wine. And I, I think I've actually got a few of them at the moment. I, they're, they're, they're nice. I mean, they're, you don't expect to find red in a white, but it's a crossbreed between a red and a white. Mm. And sometimes it just works. Yeah. So, as we said before, Cabernet Sauvignon is insanely popular. Mm, it is. It's, uh, in fact, the most planted grape variety in the world. I think we've said that quite often about other grape varieties. Well, we, we said that uh, Merlot was the third most mm. planted grape variety. And if you want to check the exact number, it was 600 and something thousand acres worldwide. The exact number you can find in our Merlot episode, which was... Oh, about 10 episodes ago or so. Yeah. You'll see it in the feed. Yeah, have a look through it and find it. But um, but Cabernet Sauvignon is uh, well beyond that. With eight hundred and forty over 842,600 acres growing worldwide. Holy moly. And that, that's a lot of grapes. That is a shitload of grapes. It's still, it's still super duper popular too. But it's starting to lose out to Pinot Noir. Probably in the last 10 years, people have, or vineyards have decided they want to try and make a, well, try for a bit more of a challenge and to make Pinot Noir grapes. Admittedly, yeah, the Cabernet Sauvignon does grow easily and it does grow everywhere, with the only thing that changes really being how long you wait to harvest and what it tastes like as a result. Whereas, yeah, Pinot Noir is a bit more effort. Yeah, it was hugely successful in the Bordeaux region of France. As it came over to the New World, uh, US and Australia, uh, they they planted more of these grape varieties because they, they're hardy, they, they grow. They're most likely to produce a wine out of it. They're, the vines themselves are quite hardy and well-suited to many different climates and the grapes themselves are quite resistant to to rot to mildew to uh diseases with their thicker skin yeah and they'll uh, they'll grow in a wide variety of soils as well which is very important for being able to grow it in a lot of different countries mm. because they they don't care if they're growing in clay or sand or dirt they just produce a different flavor yeah. So, well, speaking of flavors, how's this for a segue? I, what do you think this would pair well with? Definitely a red meat of some description, like a, a lighter flavored red meat, like lamb or pork. Yeah, because it's um, it's got all those 
subtle undertones and fruity flavors. I think you'd, you'd want something hearty but not overpowering. Mm. De- definitely like a, a roast lamb or a, even a, a beef stew or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe even a beef strog if it was mm. a, a, a subtle stroganoff, like not a... Not yeah. a strong, overpowering stroganoff, but yeah, like you, you might even put a splash of it in the sauce if you really wanted to. I would. Mm. <laughs> um, I would also probably, I'd probably eat this with lasagna. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah, it'd go well with the lasagna. Mm. Maybe some grilled lamb rack. Oh yes, with some uh, roast veggies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you got me uh, thinking about. Tasty, tasty red meats now. Mm. Might have to go for a walk and get some barbecuing stuff later. Yeah, so back to back to wine. Let's <laughs> back to wine before we get distracted by too much food. Yes, yeah, so let's... Um, since we briefly mentioned the, how it can grow pretty much anywhere, let's, uh, let's get into what effect that has on what it tastes like. Because obviously, yeah. when it comes down to selecting one, you want to know what effect the region is going to have on the flavor profile. Mm. So in uh, colder climates, it's yeah, so it's lighter in flavor. It's what? Um, yeah. So in in colder climates, it tends to have a uh, herbaceous sort of flavor to it, caused by the uh, the pyrazines that I mentioned earlier. And um, over time, as there are less pyrazines and the grapes start to fully ripen, you um you get uh, a lot less of that flavor and more fruitiness. And in fact, in certain regions, you even end up with uh, where it's warm enough to have low pyrazine levels, but not non-existent pyrazine levels. Like uh, Australia's Kunawara region, you'll end up with mint flavors as well as some of your other yeah, they, fruity flavors. They, they tend to come out a little on the jammy side. Tastes a little bit like jam when they're in very hot climates. Uh, and some places in Australia, they, believe it or not, the Cab- Cabernet Sauvignon wines sometimes have eucalyptus and menthol notes. Yeah, which is uh, supposedly related to growing in similar climates and soil to where you would find eucalyptus trees growing. Mm. So apparently there's no evidence to uh, conclusively prove a direct link <laughs> between proximity to eucalyptus trees and that flavor, but well, it, it stands to reason. Yeah. Because eucalyptus is one of those things that sort of leeches into stuff. Yeah, the, it's everywhere. You Like, you go outside of the city and that's all you can smell. It's great. Yeah, I love just the smell. permeates in the air and mm. you have to figure that something like a grape that tends to absorb things that are around it yeah. might be affected by something as strong as eucalyptus. Even if the wine is aged in barrels nearby eucalyptus trees, that would also affect the flavor. It probably would. And I'm I'm still I'm still drinking and absolutely loving this. And, yeah, it's uh, great. Speaking about wines that we're absolutely loving, let's talk about the wine the world loved this year in uh, in Cabernet Sauvignon. Talk about our top drop. Because obviously this is our good drop that we're drinking right now. Mm, very, very nice. But uh, the top drop was the Taylor's Cabernet Sauvignon, which is oh, wow. an Australian wine. And they had a really big win. Not only did they win Best Cabernet Sauvignon, I believe they also won 
best winery. Like they they won overall for for the winery in uh, in that as well. That's awesome. You can find Taylor's Cabernet Sauvignon as well as their other wines at our favorite bottle shop and probably your favorite bottle shop too. Yeah, they're uh, from the Clare Valley region, and uh, and this win, which is huge for um, for their twenty fourteen. Cabernet Sauvignon mm. was in the international competition of Cabernets, so it wasn't oh, wow. like versus other wines, it was versus other Cabernet wines. You know, it definitely has to be good when it wins against others of the same variety. Yeah, exactly, and the, they came out with world's best Cabernet. Far out. Is, yeah, pretty impressive, and it, it is at our favorite bottle shop. Yeah, awesome. What is the flavor profile of this drink? Yeah, so as far as uh, flavor profile, for some reason, even um, I, I wasn't able to find a flavor profile on the Taylor's Wines website for the 2014, which won in the 2018. But wow. I was able to find a flavor profile for the 2013, which also won a handful of grand gold and double gold at um, at various international wine awards. Nice. And uh, apparently, the 2013, which I'm going to assume is a very similar tasting wine to the 2014, which came, you know, afterwards, was uh, has uh, tasting notes of black currants, dark plum, cassis, mocha, cedar, cigar box, and subtle chalk mint. Hmm. They say that it is rich and complex with understated elegance, classic black currant, dark cherry, and mint characteristics intertwined perfectly with the hallmark long, fine tannins on the palate. There is a subtle underlying smoky charred oak character and a hint of roasted coffee grounds on the back palate. Wow. The finish is described as perfectly poised and boldly declaring the stature of the wine (laughs) full of the potential for greatness. That sounds like a lot of... um, If they hadn't won so many awards, I'd say that sounded like a lot of pomp. But... (laughs) But it's won a lot of awards. That's probably like, one of the judges that was giving that description. Yeah, because it's a lot of awards. Yeah. Like, even that one, I'm just counting. <laughs> one. Fifteen. Fifteen, wow. Fifteen gold, double gold, critics gold, great gold or grand gold wow. awards in 2016 and 2017. Oh, and one in 2013. <laughs> the year that it was made. <laughs> so the one you're most likely to find at your bottle shop is the Taylor's Cabernet Sauvignon 2017. Well, because it's the end of 2018, you're probably not likely to find any earlier ones, but if you can, keep an eye out for the 2014. Yeah. Um, This current one, uh, the description description says... Uh, it shows ample varietal blackcurrant flavors seasoned with some attractive sweet oak. Tannins are firm but nicely in balance. Sounds reasonable. Hmm. Yeah. It does. And uh, I would imagine, since they seem to win a lot of awards, that the Cabernet Sauvignon from Taylor's is probably a pretty safe bet if you want something that's going to be yeah. amazing. Obviously, with that sort of flavor profile, because uh, it is from... The Clare Valley in South Australia, so that's a slightly colder climate. Mm, so you're going to get slightly herbier flavors versus yeah. uh, jam or caramelized flavors of the warmer climates. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So our odd drop for this one is 
not super punny, but we decided we were going to go with something that... A bit on the classier side. Yeah. This is the from the Gem Tree uh, Vineyard called Dragon's Blood Cabernet Sauvignon with a description of ripe dark fruits, cocoa wet leaves, and the structured tannins created this beautifully made Dragon's Blood from Gem Tree, made with 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, which with great depth showcases the classic varietal characteristics you would expect from this well-made wine. So it's, it's got some good reviews on it. Apparently the Shiraz is also fantastic from this Ooh. vineyard, the Dragon's Blood Shiraz. Right, so um, where is Dragon's Blood from? It's from McLaren Vale. So McLaren Vale is uh, in South Australia <laughs> and um, is famous for producing world-class red wine, as many yeah. places in South Australia are. So obviously, if um, if you're able to find Dragon's Blood, it's um, something we're going to keep an eye out for and would because mm. it sounds uh, interesting. And I would like to be able to tell people that I've drunk Dragon's Blood. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a very fruity wine, like dark fruits, cocoa, and wet leaves. That's honestly, it sounds really good. Yeah, I'm I'm actually somewhat curious how uh, they managed to grow a wine with those flavors in South Australia. But hmm. depending which part of South Australia they're growing in, mm. they it, could still be. It could be the warmer part of South Australia. It, it could be, and uh, it could also have different soil to the Clare Valley. And um, soil does have a big effect mm. on uh, on the flavour of a Cabernet Sauvignon. Very true. Very true. That's well. pretty much all we have for today. So uh, stand by for the plugs. Yeah. If you well, if you liked what you heard, uh, send us an email to a good drop at gmail dot com. We'd love to get any feedback, questions, comments, wine stories. If you've tasted a wine with a hilarious name, send it in. Yeah, and uh, of course we'd love you to follow us or subscribe to us on Podbean or your favourite RSS feed or on Apple Podcasts, where we are a good drop all about alcohol. Yep, you can find us on the socials as a good drop podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We should probably post a little more on Instagram and and YouTube. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if you want to check out a single episode or if you want to share the podcast with your friends uh, you can easily do that by sharing the website agooddrop.com.au so next week it's another blind taste test and uh, it'll be a challenging one for both of us because uh, we're going to blind taste test vodka right uh, yeah I haven't really had much experience of sipping vodka as is um, yeah. mostly it's been mixed with something yes yeah, so I've had many a screwdriver mm. Or a, a vodka lime soda. Yeah, but um, by itself, we'll, yeah. I think we'll we'll learn a whole new appreciation for it, and hopefully you'll learn something too, like uh, maybe the cheapest vodkas aren't the nastiest. So that's that's what we're hearing next week. So thanks for listening, guys. Until next week. Until next week, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.